There's an interesting bit of confusion going on in Genesis chapter 6. We have weird language such as the son of gods being paired up with the daughters of men. We have things like the Nephilim and the strange lifespans that go on for longer than anything we could imagine and so much more. In fact, if you actually spend some time studying this, some of Genesis 6 even sounds like something you would hear put out there on ancient aliens and a lot of things which are just naturally ludicrous when we come to it, but there's actually a clear takeaway to this chapter. While there is a lot of disorder, the order of heaven and earth that starts to be confused, the line between something supernatural, paranormal, even the very bizarre things which are not part of the, the Christian understanding of the world, things like demigods, they get peppered in this and you're like, well, none of this can be right. Well, the clear takeaway from all this is that God is displeased with the confusion going on in the world. In fact, the lines of heaven and earth are getting confused and there's a cosmic growth of evil going on that displeases God. Now, all of this is in the moments leading up to the events with Noah. And we're going to talk about all that today in this cosmic evil and how God wants that to be purged from creation. So, welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. And here with me in Cord Purgatory, Pastor Anthony Alegria. Yeah, that's right. Anthony has his district minister's license, and he is working his way up. He's doing a lot, and I'm really proud of the growth he has. And he's actually doing pastoral work now. He's doing a lot of things, which is caring for people. And I just wanted to make sure he's getting that title on there and accurately used. Well, today, Anthony is going to be talking with me about some weird things we find in Genesis chapter 6. And if we're going to talk about Genesis 6, I'd actually like to read a few verses from there. This is a bit of a precursor to our study of the book of Noah, or the book of Genesis with the story of Noah. But I want us to take a look at Genesis 6. Anthony? Genesis chapter 6, verses 1-4 through 4 opens up as follows. When people began to multiply on the face of the ground, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that they were fair, and they took wives for themselves of all that they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in mortals forever, for they are flesh. Their days shall be one hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God went in to the daughters of humans, who bore children to them, these were the heroes that were of old, warriors of renown. All right, so the younger version of myself is going to want to come have it out with myself now because I'm going to sound a bit a bit like a nerd today, but I guess it is as it is. When you see this text and you just read it in English, it may come off as a lot of scripture does. It has some language which feels a bit archaic. It's translated into English and it feels like something translated from another language. But there are some things in there which are fascinating and also mysterious even to people who are scholars. In our modern world, we are surrounded with all sorts of mythological creatures, something like the Loch Ness Monster, the Chupacabra, and even Bigfoot are things which can intrigue our imagination. But there are times even in scripture where people come to the text and they look at words and they're not exactly sure what they are. Furthermore, when we look at this text, we find some things which may have a little bit different bend to the language than they do in other parts of scripture. The language of sons of God, for example, is something which is mysterious. And why is it coupled with daughters of men? Shouldn't they both be sons and daughters of men? And what is why are some designated as being only of God? Is this connected to when God rose humanity up out of the dirt? Or is this something different? Is this almost an angelic being or something which we do not understand? Whenever we look at this, there is a moment where it becomes rather difficult for us to, to separate truth from things which are conjecture. There's a lot of mystery in this and there's a lot of, well, confusion going on. And God is quite displeased with this. 
Particularly when we find this language of sons of God, we can actually see this confusion going on, not just on the part of the reader, but also within the text, it feels like there is a lot of confusion. In fact, you see within this that God says, you know what, these people, they don't need to live more than 120 years. You know, that sounds like a lot to us, um, but it is at least plausible. You see some of these other ages that people have here in Genesis, and it seems almost implausible. How could someone ever live that long? But then again, we do get some weird things going on here. With the sons of God, there are some people who hypothesize that these are fallen angels, beings that are not quite human, but they're no longer bound to heavenly realm. And they are fallen. They are no longer fixed to their intended roles. They have broken away from, well, their created order. They have descended from glory to intermingle with humanity in a manner that is not right and not part of anything that God intended. Again, I may have to, to cue Anthony over there to get out the crazy hairspray and let us do ourselves up like we're on ancient aliens because that's what this sounds like. I know that is something that that joke totally and completely makes sense with this. I'm sure that they're, they're just actually... I could almost swear I've, I've heard them use these verses on their TV show. They probably have. I've, I've actually not watched that much of Ancient Aliens, and when I did, it's been, oh my, it was back when I was in college. So that would have been like 2009, 2010. It's been like 10 years since I've seen any of that. Um, when, I, when I was looking at this, um, this text, it feels bizarre. This idea of, of heavenly beings that are fallen, they're intermingling with humanity. You know, this is not right. Um, and even when you look at God's reaction to it, God is upset, and we're not going to read all throughout Genesis 6. Um, as we go into the story of Noah, we'll look more at that. But God is looking at the world, and he says, this is not right. Um, and again, when we talk about this, we have no way of validating this hypothesis that these are fallen angels or anything like that. And I actually am someone who kind of abstains from that sort of logic because, it, again, it adds so much confusion. And, and God, when he looks at the world... He says, you know what? I want there to be an established order that people can follow. I want people to know the rules of the game that they are playing. I want there to be a reliable setup of creation. I want people to, to look around the world, and I want their moral compass to be fixed in such a way that they can really understand. I want there to have a good ethical system, a place where people can rely on how they're, they're interacting with the world. I don't want there to be all of this confusion where people can't tell right and wrong. God wants us to be able to, to understand right and wrong well, and that's something which is missing in this world where this cosmic evil has grown. So let's talk about a few other things. There's the issue of the Nephilim, and if you have read through Genesis, you might come across this word Nephilim and wonder what it is. It sounds a bit like an ancient tribe or maybe something to that effect, but again, it's one of those places where, if I'm being honest, we have not a lot of idea. There's not a lot of clear explanation for this one, and there's a lot of different ways that this word is interpreted and translated. Some would say that it is the fallen offspring, fallen things with evil in their hearts as they fill the earth. The word could also mean something like giants. Not sure, and it's really not any way to be sure. It's just one of these things which, well, it's ancient and it's something which was displeasing. It was not ever an intended function of creation. It was not something which God wanted to be a part of, of the providential design for, for the earth and even the heavens above. God is very upset with this. But another thing interesting about the Nephilim, and if you'll read there in the end, is that they're mentioned that they're the, the ancestors of great warriors. Anthony, does anything strike you about that? I know you and I, we've started watching things like Star Trek. Again, the nerd in, in me um, realizes that the younger version of myself would, would not be pleased with the nerdiness. But in Star Trek, there's an episode where, where Captain Kirk, he split in two halves. And there's a darker side, and then there's more of a, a positive side. 
And it's even reflective of what we've discussed with Cain and Abel and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and a lot of other things. But something that was fascinating from that episode is they articulated that Captain Kirk, he his evil side, when it's by itself, it is just purely evil, but his good side couldn't make decisions well without that. And ultimately, the show kind of climaxes is, is you need that other side, of the darker side of your personality, but you have to rule over it. You can't let it rule over you. Reminiscent of the same wisdom that God gives to, to Cain saying you've got to rule over the, the urge to sin. You can't let it rule over you. Anthony, what do you think about these Nephilim being the ancestors of great warriors? I'm not entirely sure. I think there's a lot here that is um, very much like a lot of ancient mythologies that you can see like across cultures and across times and distances. You get the idea of demigods and things like that. I think, um, of course, their presence is very, very interesting. But I think of that God's response to it is also very much so that he sees this taking place and he says you know my spirit shall not abide in mortals forever for they are flesh their days shall be 120 years and in that statement i'm not sure if both of those are justifications as in for they are flesh and since they are flesh um you know their days will be 120 years and that's why his spirit shall not abide or if it's sort of just a separate idea that's going along with this also. That is, my spirit will not abide and their years will be 120 because they are flesh. I'm not sure which perspective to take on that. Well, we're, we're not going to go too much in the story of Noah, but the question of flesh and what role does flesh have? And is flesh something that's only related to, to people? Is it something which is actually part of all creation, you know, like animals and things, which are, are living creatures, but you kind of draw the line with more geographic items such as rocks? When you come to, to the idea of flesh, one of the things which is unmistakably happening in this text is that it's been tainted by evil. And when one comes to the story of Noah, it is quite a graphic story. And it's, it's one that is, um, well, it's dramatic, uh, quite dramatic. God comes and he sends a flood that, that purges the earth. But one of the things which is happening that brings about this serious consequence to, to the state of the world is that evil has grown to where it now has a cosmic purview. In other words, evil's influence is no longer limited to a small place. When you, you see even the, the movement from Eve who takes and she, she has this conversation with the serpent, things get going wrong, her and her husband Adam, they come together, they commit sin. They do something which seems not to be the biggest sin in modern sense. We might say, oh, they just ate something they weren't supposed to do. That's like having a child eat something. Maybe they ate their dessert before they ate the, the healthier foods. You know, it's not a good thing. But it's not the baddest thing, especially when you compare that to Cain and Abel. And you see that, well, he goes out and murders his brother. However, when we actually sit and contemplate what evil is, we have to realize that doing something small can lead to something bigger. Um, if, if you get into the idea of policing, this is almost the idea of broken windows policing that says, look, there's a reason why there are actually rules for little things. There's a reason why there are rules against, you know, eating in a certain order. There's rules for, for, you know, petty crimes. There's rules for a fruit that God says is forbidden. And what happens is sometimes once the, the pathway starts getting set up with the little, the little things, it will, it'll grow, it will fester, and it will evolve to big crimes down the road. And this is really what has happened with Genesis. Evil, it starts off, you know, being sort of a small thing. It's crouching. It starts to consume and take people. And by the time we get to Genesis 6, and as it continues through the next few chapters with the story of Noah, the, the view of evil 
is no longer just on a few individuals. It's no longer just a predator looking at one or two here, but it now has this cosmic view. And even the rules of heaven and earth are blurred here when we find these few verses that we read, the first four verses of Genesis 6. We find in this, this chapter that this idea of the sons of God coming to intermingle with humanity, um, not good. God says, this is not what I, I wanted. People living, and again, the rules are blurred. Are they living long because they have blood mixed with something that's not human? You know, all these crazy Christians come on. And the certainty that I can bring us to is this. God did not intend this. This is not part of the created order. And that's why God says this has to be stopped. The, the created order was not meant to be this crazy. God's intention for creation was to be very clear, was to be reliable, was to be something people could trust and they could expect what the rules of the game were to be. But the rules in Genesis 6, they are rather bizarre. Anthony, do you have any thoughts? I was thinking again on these, um, the film, that they would later be the warriors of old, warriors of renown. Um, I think there is a connection to godly power there. Uh, very interestingly, I looked it up just now. This may be jumping back a bit, but ancient aliens actually did um, reference in the film, oh, specifically Genesis chapter six. Yeah, and they wanted to make the connection that the sons of God were these beings that came down from the heavens. And you know how the ancient aliens like to play it. The heavens is always space. Yeah. And so the Nephilim were half breeds, and so they attributed all the myths about demigods and things like that across the world and ideas like the Nephilim, these people who would become the heroes of old and the warriors of renown to be the offspring of aliens and things like that. And so that's their, their biblical evidence the for biblical, ancient aliens. Yeah, of course. Um, but, but I say that sort of sarcastically, but in all of seriousness, course, yeah. there, there is an element to the, where they are fallen. Um, even within what we find in here, this is not what God intended. Whether you take it as literally as the ancient aliens do, or you take it to say, well, hang on, we don't know the interpretation, so I'm not going to jump down a rabbit hole yet till I have some more clear answer here. No matter what stance you take on this, um, this is not part of God's intention. And and these Nephilim, they are fallen. But at the same time, it's sort of like with Captain Kirk, like he needs that darker side of himself to make decisions, so you've got to rule over it. But these people, when they are fallen, they have this fallen nature, it makes them really good at warriors. Now, that's not to say that you, you must be a Nephilim to be a great warrior or something like that. But there's this idea that they make really good tools for battle, this sort of mixture they have going on here. Anthony, did you have something else? Um, I would just say that I think it's just their their connection to God. Even if it's corrupted, um, it would be their connection to God which empowered them beyond what would be normally expected. Well, the one takeaway from all this, and we'd actually deliberated whether we were going to spend a lot of talk, time talking about this passage in Genesis 6, but then we thought it would be worthwhile to have a discussion about it. The main takeaway that we've been pointing at in all this is there is great confusion in this. From the, from the academic examination of the text, there's some things in here which seem strange, and even the text itself feels like there's confusion even within the scripture itself. The, the holy scriptures, as they, they come to examine even, even this one passage, is like there's, there's something that is off kilter here, and God is displeased with that. God says this, this needs to be done away with. This sort of disorganization in creation is not what is intended. And God wants to redeem creation. God does not want it to be disorganized. And 
And people really in their lives, they, they need a, a game, the, the game of life, if you can call it that, but the rules of life, the, the rules which oftentimes carry us through painful situations, they need to be something which people can rely on. They don't need all of this confusion going on with these things, and God did not want that. God is not a God of chaos and confusion. God is a God of order and mercy and, and justice and rationality. And in order for there to be those things, there has to be, of course, rules. There have to be organization. There has to be ways of, of keeping things going. And in this passage, we find God saying, I, I want to move creation away from that. So that's where we're going to wrap this up. Anthony, any final thoughts before we close? All right. Well, if you have any thoughts about the strange cosmic evil and even ancient aliens there in the Bible, please reach out to us. And again, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, a lot of places to download our free podcast. Um, and if you'd like to, to talk with us anytime off, off air, we would love to do that too. Um, please just reach out to us. With that, support your local church. God bless you and have a blessed day.